Today we are entering a world that many of us will never witness, the stunningly beautiful world of coral reefs. Like tropical birds underwater, corals are strange, incredible and, as we will learn today, critical in the overall ecology of the oceans. And they are as threatened as so many other ecosystems and animals today. Chasing coral, an emotional journey under the ocean's surface. That's our topic here today on An Organic Conversation, your show on everything that makes life worth living. I'm Helge Helberg. If you're not a diver, there are not too many opportunities to see corals up close. Perhaps in an aquarium, you can get a glimpse of their colors and beauty. But anyone who has had a chance to dive through a coral reef often speaks of it as if it was an outer world experience. Imagine a gigantic field of spring flowers with the most intense, radiant and even fluorescent colors a tropical bird sanctuary underwater. Corals are animals, and they are a critical part of the ecosystem of the oceans, just as they are threatened as so many other species of animals by, envi by environmental degradation. We now have a chance to see this amazing underwater world up close and personal, thanks to a new documentary, Chasing Coral. All that and more coming up in just a minute here today on An Organic Conversation. I'm your host, Helge Helberg, and this show is made possible by... And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg, chasing coral, an emotional journey under the ocean's surface. That's our topic here today in this hour as we are diving into a world that most of us will never be able to witness. That most of us will never be able to witness. The strange and beautiful and critically important world of coral. On the phone with me now is... 
And on the phone with me now is Richard Weavers, the founder and CEO of The Ocean Agency. That's theoceanagency.org, which he founded in Sydney, Australia. And he will be the person to dive with us into this topic because the oceans are his, uh, really his home, his second home. Richard, do we have you on the line? Absolutely. And it's uh, great to be talking to you today. Yes, thank you for making the time and being being not diving right now, but actually on the heart, so to say. Um, there is a world of beauty and critical importance under the surface of our oceans. What's, what makes reefs so special? Can you give us the first framework of, of, of your fascination with it? Um, well, I've always you know, loved the ocean from a very, very early age, but really it was... When I headed to Australia uh, back in the year sort of 2000 um, and started diving on, on reefs, on the Great Barrier Reef, um, you, you just jump in the water there and you are blown away by the, the amount of life. I mean, it is truly incredible. Um, people often sort of look at safari parks in Africa or the Amazon jungle. But for me, um, the biodiversity you find on a coral reef is, is uh, second to none. Um, and especially when you, you dive on the far north of the Great Barrier Reef, it was one of the most incredible places on the planet. Uh, well, how did you become uh, interested in this topic? What was the moment it grabbed your attention so much that, or your care so much that you that you said, I will dedicate most likely the rest of my life to uh, exploring it, to exposing it in a way that people understand it and care for it themselves? Um, and protected with that? Well, my journey actually sort of really started actually in Sydney. Um, I was just doing a lot of diving in Sydney, and there was this one animal which was called a, a weedy sea dragon, and it was my favorite uh, animal that I'd uh, try and find when diving. And then over sort of a few years, they all sort of disappeared around Sydney, um, and no one seemed to know the reason why. And that really sort of piqued my interest in what was going on with the ocean. And I started working with a lot of conservation organizations at that stage. And, and you realize that there's so much happening underwater that really is going on out of sight and out of mind. Um, and I have a background in advertising, and I really saw that as an advertising issue. So I then um, decided to pull a, a team of ex-advertisers together to set up a not-for-profit organization And our idea was to um, reveal the oceans to the world. So take Google Street View underwater. Mm -hmm. And that really is the project that, that led into a, a massive survey of, of coral reefs and, and a true love of coral reefs that I've developed over the last few years. And this, this little dragon that you're describing, um, I've had the chance to watch the film uh, Chasing Coral, which is now available on Netflix, and it's an absolute must-see. It's this foot-long or maybe foot-and-a-half-long, uh, completely out-of-this-world alien, colorful, gigantic seahorse that it looks so absurd, uh, so absurdly beautiful, but it's, it's almost a fantasy creature, right? Absolutely. And <laughs> the amazing thing is they live on one of the most famous beaches in the world, um, Bondi Beach, and yet... Most people that have ever been to Bondi Beach in Sydney have never been underwater diving and have never seen the, these creatures and don't even know they exist. And I think that just really sort of sums up our, 
yes. sort of lack of engagement with the ocean. Um, something like 99.9% of people don't dive and will never dive. Um, so it is a huge challenge really trying to get people engaged with these underwater environments. Yeah, so when you speak of an advertisement challenge, 70% of the world's surface are, are uh, is, is water, are oceans, and we depend on that environment, and yet it is it is so little understood and known, and it is so little part of our everyday life um, as we are making policy. So we talk about you know storms or climate change or weather patterns on land, of course, but really what's what's going on on under the surface of the oceans, uh, as you said, is, is is vastly undocumented, and that's changing now. Um, why did you start the Ocean Agency? Like, what was the core? Uh, idea to to bring that to make it visible to bring the 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 status of of the world's oceans to a larger audience. Yes, well, I mean, originally um, we saw the challenge was to engage the the world with the oceans as much as we possibly could, and there was the technology available to do that with with Google mm -hmm. and Google Maps. Um, so we we teamed up with with Google. Um, and decided to take Street View underwater. And we developed these cameras that would allow us to um, record underwater environments in exactly the same way that uh, Google Street View cars um, do above water. So we invented the, this camera that we could mount on an underwater scooter and, and drive through underwater environments, taking 360-degree shots every, every three seconds, which would then allow people to explore these environments and be able to see change over time. Uh, because we revisit sites. And we thought at that stage that that would be enough to sort of really um, provide the conservation organizations with um, the the way to in engage a sort of larger audience with, with some of these issues. Um, but during this process, we discovered that the issues were far, far worse than, than we ever imagined as a team. And we've been working with some of the world's leading scientists over the last few years really discovering those, and that's sort of driven us to um, uh, really sort of grow the project into much more of a uh, science and conservation initiative. We're speak speaking with Richard Vivers, the founder and CEO of the Ocean Agency, that's theoceanagency.org, out of Sydney, Australia, uh, who's speaking with us about the status of the oceans and particularly coral reefs as part of a new film that's available on Netflix uh, right now. It's called Chasing Coral in this hour of an organic conversation, Chasing Coral, an emotional journey under the ocean's surface. Richard, when you talk about it was much worse, what was worse? What have you found? What's going on? What's the status of, of the oceans or particularly what's the status of the world's reefs? Well, what I didn't realize when we started this project was how quickly the world's reefs are declining. Um, at the start, we, we decided we would change the, the project from just not just revealing underwater environments, but to create a record at the same time. So we teamed up with the University of Queensland and we started reefs on a, uh, started recording reefs on a scale that haven't, hasn't previously been mm -hmm. documented. And we visited... 25 different countries over a four-year period recording those reef environments. But during this period, um, we had the start of the, the third global bleaching event. And this has been one of the longest and um, most severe coral die-offs in history. 
and um, we've seen reefs dying all around the world over this this last three year period, and certainly that has been sort of the, the big wake up call for us as a team to now wanting to not just go from um, sort of recording reefs, but also to really work on the solutions for these issues. Yeah, you're saying in in the film Chasing Coral that in the last 30 years we've lost about 50% of the world's corals and coral reefs. 50% that's half already in only 30 years. When you when you say bleaching event, can you explain that further? What's a bleaching event? Yes, well, um, for the last sort of 30 years, the main issues have been sort of really on a local and, and regional basis. So this is pollution and overfishing have the, been sort of the two main drivers of coral reef decline. But now we've got the impacts of climate change coming through. And what we've done is we've heated the, the ocean to such a degree that corals can no longer cope with normal, um, normal fluctuations in temperature. So in particularly hot years, they go beyond their tolerance and they've been dying en masse. And when you hear the, the, the words coral bleaching, what that actually is, is the, the coral animal, um, has, it, it grows a, a plant cell in its flesh, and that gives it its color. And when the, the conditions get too hot, it has to expel those, those plant-like cells, um, and it becomes clear. And what you're seeing through the flesh of the animal is the skeleton underneath. And so when you hear um, at whole areas is Uh, bleached, it's actually the skeletons that you're seeing underwater. And it's one of the most spectacular, uh, if not disturbing, sites in nature. And you're saying skeleton as in, at that point, the coral has died? No, actually, the the flesh of the animal has turned clear, so you can see its skeleton, but it can recover from that. Oh, it can. If the conditions recover, um, the, the temperature drops down, and there isn't too much sunlight, Uh, and that, that drop in temperature happens fairly quickly, then the, the coral can recover. But if it is too severe, then what you find is the, the flesh of the animal disintegrates, and then the, the skeleton of the coral gets covered in algae, and, and very quickly you just see a dead reef which can then crumble apart. Tell us about the new film, Chasing Coral, that you helped create. Uh, what's the film about? What story does it tell? Uh, how was it filmed? And it's from the same people, I just want to point that out, that created Chasing Ice, now Chasing Coral. And we had Chasing Ice on this show about a year ago, a couple of years ago. Um, amazingly talented filmmakers, of course. And the beauty that Chasing Coral, as we said hardly seen before and definitely not available to 99.9% of people on the planet because they're not divers. It is breathtaking and almost alien-like in its beauty. It's like a, 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 I was comparing it to a tropical bird sanctuary underwater and you were alluding that uh, to that beauty already as well. But tell us, what is Chasing Coral about? What story does it tell? Um, how was it filmed? Well, the um, the story really came about. I was working on this this project um, where we were revealing the coral bleaching, and I was flying off to a, a new location to record the bleaching there. And I watched Chasing Ice while I was on the plane, um, and I realized instantly that these two projects were very very similar. So mm -hmm. Jeff Olowski, the director, had been documenting the um, disappearing glaciers over time yes. in places like Iceland and Greenland. Um, 
and showing the impacts on climate of climate change on glaciers. Um, but he told the story in such a way that it was almost an adventure um, with teams flying around the world to try and document this uh, this happening. And I saw our two projects as being very similar, um, where he was trying to document um, glaciers using time-lapse photography. We were trying to document um, the decline of coral reefs because of the climate change. And so I contacted Jeff straight away, and, and I showed him two photographs, one of a, a living reef um, looking incredibly healthy and one of a, a dead reef, um, um, which was due to the impacts of climate change. And he instantly saw the comparisons between the, the two projects. We met up a couple of times, and, and he's been um, following us with his team for the last three years, putting together this, this film. Amazing. And of course, again, that Chasing Coral now available on next Netflix um, for anyone to see. Chasing Coral, an emotional journey under the ocean's surface. That is our topic in this hour here on Inorganic Conversation. And we are speaking with Richard Weavers, the founder and CEO of the Ocean Agency from Sydney, Australia, the Ocean the the theoceanagency.org, the website. Richard, stay on the phone with us. We'll take a quick break to honor our underwriters and we'll be right back with so much more. This is an organic conversation and I'm Helga Hilberg. Stay tuned. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. Chasing Coral, a new documentary available on Netflix, is our topic in this hour. And we are speaking with the founder and CEO of The Ocean Agency, theoceanagency.org, Richard Vivers. Uh, Richard, in order to make the oceans relevant, let's talk about the importance of the world's reefs. Um, why are they critical in in the ocean ecology and with that for us as humans, even li living on land? Well, I think most people look at reefs and they think it's always oh, this beautiful environment that you, you go and have a look at when you're on holiday. And they don't think too much more than that about coral reefs. But uh, 500 million people um, rely on coral reefs for food and income. So they're hugely important to societies all around the world. Um, but also what's really critically important is they're essentially the nurseries of the, the sea and hugely important to all ocean life. 
Um, something like 25% of all marine life relies on coral reefs. So losing coral reefs at such a dramatic rate, um, now the fact that we've lost 50% in the last 30 years, is having a huge knock-on effect to the, the health of the oceans generally. So when you say 25% of all ocean life and they are the nursery, what happens? Um, how, what's the effect of dying reefs on the ocean's ecosystem? Well, we've um, really been following the, the bleaching event. So a huge coral die-off around the world over the last three years. And some of the locations that we've been to have not just been to record the event as it's happening, but to go back and, and have a look at the aftermath. And one of the most um, shocking for me was, was going to see the Great Barrier Reef um, at a place called Lizard Island, which got really heavily hit back in 2016. And we jumped in the water there after the, the bleaching event, and the, the reefs had already been covered with algae. So um, essentially you saw it looking as if it had been dead for years, the whole environment. And the first thing you notice is the lack of fish. Because what happens is the, the, the structure of the coral provides um, the home for the fish. Mm -hmm. And as soon as it dies, that fish has lost its home. So it has to either go and try and find um, another home of healthy reefs. But if there isn't um, any other healthy reefs in the areas, it's just going to get picked off by larger fish. And what you find is the large fish pick off these fish and then they move on themselves. So you suddenly get an area that is almost devoid of, of all marine life. Mm -hmm. um, and it has just really transformed state from being a coral-dominated reef to an algae-dominated reef. And that has huge knock-on effects. When you talk about the the bleaching event and you touched a little bit on the environmental uh, consequences or the environmental impacts, uh, in this case you mentioned the warming of the ocean, what else contributes to a bleaching event or what would make sure the, the corals stay as healthy as possible? What else is, is happening in the oceans um, that is threatening the health of reefs? Well, the, the big threat to coral reefs now is, is climate change. Mm -hmm. And we know that we um, have a lot of heat built up in the system that is going to impact coral reefs for the next 20 to 30 years. Um, the latest science indicates that we're going to lose about 90% of coral reefs globally because of the heat um, in the system, which is the, the biggest issue of, of all. But in addition to the, the um, issue of climate change, we've also got local pressures, so overfishing and pollution, which also have the uh, potential to kill the reefs that could survive climate change. So really sort of um, coral reefs are at the very front line, of, uh, front line of climate change, but they're having to battle um, battles on all fronts at the moment. And that's really what we, we need to do is, is focus on protecting specific reefs that we know we can protect against climate change and protect them against the other issues that they're currently facing. Yeah, we're talking about indicator species, right? If, if one species of animals goes, uh, it's kind of, it almost seems silly to call things indicator species because the world is uh, at large is threatened. Um, so there's, it seems like there's almost no indicator species anymore. There's, it's, we are talking about every species, including human race, 
that is uh, feeling and seeing the consequences of global warming and other environmental impacts, of course. Uh, but corals are a very visual, unfortunately, because of their beauty, if you then look at a dead zone um, a year later, that's just an extreme change uh, that's really extremely visible, of course. And again, chasing coral documents that really well from this unbelievable beauty and iridescent color, the world of color underneath the surface to, as you said, just an algae dead zone that doesn't even host fish anymore. Um, so it makes corals, in that case, a really good species to show the extremeness of, of change. Is that a fair summary? Absolutely. I mean, for me, um, coral reefs are the biggest visual indicator of, of climate change. And when you consider that coral reefs have approximately a million species, um, one of the best analogies wow. I heard the other day was um, coral reefs are, are the cities of the ocean. Mm -hmm. um, and the corals themselves are the buildings. So they build these incredible structures that then provide habitat for a, a wealth of marine life from the, the smallest animals to the largest animals. And when you have that collapse of the, the, the buildings, apologize for this, um, when you have that collapse of the buildings, um, the, essentially you lose mm -hmm. most of that marine life. And that's the, sort of the tragedy of, of losing coral reefs. When you say there's heat in the system to, even if we changed climate back or if the oceans were uh, to get cooler again, there's heat in the system for 30 years. What do you mean by heat in the system? Can you explain that? Well, what people rarely realize is climate change is very much about the ocean. 93% of climate change heat is absorbed by the ocean. And we are committed to a certain amount of warming um, beyond where we're already, um, what's basically yeah. due to sort of emissions that have already gone into the atmosphere, we will get continued warming for about the next 20 to 30 years. So even if we manage to stick to the, the Paris Agreement um, that has been, and the target set by the Paris Agreement of restricting global warming to 2 degrees centigrade with a target of 1.5 degrees centigrade, we will still lose the majority of coral reefs remaining um, because of that heat already in the system. And we are not even sticking to, obviously, the, the Paris Agreement as the current administration has uh, pulled out of that officially. So you're saying with 90% of reefs predicted to be lost, uh, which brings us to your organization, what's your prediction Well, I think we, we need to sort of wake up to the fact that um, coral reefs are very much on this front line of, of climate change. And we know we're going to lose um, 90% of coral reefs. So with that understanding, we now need to sort of really mobilize and make sure people, one, are aware of this issue and the, the seriousness of, of climate change, but two, really mobilize in, in the solution now. Um, one of the great sort of good news stories that I heard a while back was that of um, humpback whales. And back in sort of 19, I think it was around the 1950s, mm -hmm. um, we got the humpback whale population globally down to 4%. And within a very short period of time, since um, we put a ban on, on hunting for humpback whales, that population has, has bounced back to 65% of its original mm -hmm. numbers. Yes, And coral reefs are 
brilliantly adapted to be able to bounce back once we change the, the environment and stabilize the environment. So what we desperately need to do is make sure we focus our attentions on saving the 10% that can be saved uh, and really uh, bolster conservation efforts um, on those reefs. Yeah, so what we've done mm-hmm. is um, launch a, a project called 50 Reefs. And this has had the support of um, Bloomberg Philanthropies, Tiffany Co. Foundation, and also the Paul G. Allen Family Foundation, um, where we've got some of the leading scientists in the world together to identify the reefs which are least vulnerable to climate change, but are also the most important for being able to reseed surrounding reefs. And the idea is when we have that list, which will be released in October this year, we will then be able to really bolster conservation and science efforts on those reefs. Uh, And that will be critically important to protect them from the other issues, such as overfishing and pollution, um, to be able to buy them the time to survive climate change and being able to be the reefs that can repopulate the world. Can you explain that further? So 50 reefs, you're protecting um, specific reef areas independently of international or governmental oversight. What what's the what's the work with fifty reefs? What do you do? Well, fifty reefs. Um, we've currently got um, a a group of the world's leading scientists right. looking at how we identify the the coral reefs which are least vulnerable to climate change, uh-huh. but also the most important for reseeding um, other reefs in, in the areas. So they are doing a, a scientific study at the moment. Um, they, they all got together in Hawaii a couple of months ago, and they'll be getting together again in, in um, Australia in two months' time, and then releasing this list, this scientific study, uh, in October this year. Then the idea is once we've got that list, we've also got a conservation team, which have pulled together all the leading conservation organisations. They gathered in New York uh, last month to really work out what are the most effective strategies in each region for protecting these coral reefs. And then we've also got the uh, communication team working with the likes of um, Exposure Labs, which are the team behind Chasing Coral, to really look at leveraging the fact that we've got the International Year of the Reef coming up um, and an initiative now, which is a positive initiative, to save coral reefs. Incredible. Which brings us, of course, to what can people do? So your your entire career and focus is is uh, is dedicated to bringing this topic and the beauty and the pictures really visually to a greater audience and make it relevant beyond the 0.1% of people who are actually diving. Um, all these initiatives and 50reefs.org will help. That's 550reefs.org, the new initiative. Um, but what can people do? What are you hoping the reaction will be from people? How can people support this? Well, I think from my own personal experience, um, I wasn't aware of the issues facing coral reefs, even though I was a diver and a passionate diver. People are generally just not aware of what's happening in the ocean. So the first and most important thing people can do is really to get informed. And I think a, a great starting point is, is watching the film, Chasing Coral, um, on Netflix. You can watch it on a free subscription, so anyone can watch this uh, with internet connection. And then once um, it's, you become aware of the issue, sharing that story. So whether or not you're sharing it in social media, whether you're asking people or, or arranging a screening for the film, 
um, that could be one of the most valuable things that you can do. And certainly we're encouraging that on the, the ChasingCoral.com website is setting up private screenings of the film. Then beyond um, the awareness of the issue, it's really about climate action. We do need to keep to the Paris Agreement uh, to be able to save coral reefs. That is essential. Um, that's why I think coral reefs are so important is because it is so black and white. If we don't stick to the Paris Agreement, we have no chance to save coral reefs. But if we do, then we can save coral reefs. And it's as simple as that. And so, therefore, it's about doing everything you can to ensure that you're part of the solution. Whether that's personal actions or, or really with your um, voting, um, with the, the right um, uh, politicians that are actually going to push for that, that climate action that is so desperately needed for coral reefs. What would what would be your greatest hope that people would do? I understand the awareness part, and you, as a former advertiser, um, of course, bringing people uh, or showing people the issue and having them understand it and share it and just broadening the base is a critical first step. And then I always hope or wonder or or look for a a top ten list of action items that people. You know, this show and again, a conversation is uh, listened to in 135 countries, 3 million people. If you wanted all of them or part of them to do what, what would it be? I'd say get creative. Um, <laughs> I think <laughs> climate change has always been portrayed as something negative, um, as in climate change action. It's always been portrayed as if we've got to clean up after a giant party when really it's, it's an amazing opportunity when you look at um, what climate change action is actually achieving. It's about greenifying cities. It's about job creation. It's about wealth creation. It's about um, cleaning up pollution. Um, there are so many positives that can um, impact people's lives on a, on a personal basis in a very, very positive way. It's about becoming healthier through your diet. Um, There are so many different ways that you can improve your life through climate action. And I think it's just waking up in the morning and starting to look at the opportunity of climate action rather than thinking it is something that you really should do um, as opposed to want to do. And fascinating for me, you as a former advertiser, even in the film, you were saying I was selling, you know, consumer goods through advertising. And I wondered what the meaning was. You're kind of touching on that for me again, the values of this life that we're living. And you had said earlier, the moment you remove the challenges, health will be restored. We have countless shows throughout the year on an organic conversation where we talk with holistic, uh, you know, uh, holistic uh, practitioners, uh, people who work in the in the field of human medicine as ve as well as environmentalists, and they all share that same message. It's not about chasing health; it's about removing the challenges to health because the natural state of the world and the natural state of our bodies wants to be health. As you were saying, the moment we we reduce the obstacle, coral leaves will bounce back, or the humpback whale has bounced back. Um, that's the message we have for most people here on the show when they say the moment you reduce 
you know, unhealthy diets or lack of exercise, whatever, whatever is the challenge to your health, health will be restored. You don't have to chase health in that sense. And I hear that's what you're saying, even on a global level. Um, it's not cleaning up after a party, but it's the greatest opportunity to actually recreate value for our lives and for the world, right? Absolutely. And, and it is a very positive story on sort of both sides. Um, I was lucky enough to dive on an a, a incredibly healthy reef um, at the height of the, the global bleaching event. So this is the worst die-off in history on, on coral reefs, yet there's some reefs which are incredibly um, healthy and, and booming during this, this period and because they're less vulnerable to, to the impacts. Mm -hmm. um, and we've also seen incredible recovery from other reefs that have been bleached in the past and, and bounced back because they've been protected on a local basis. So we know once the system is stabilized, reefs will bounce back and bounce back relatively quickly. Um, and we also know that change is happening at an incredible um, rate when it comes, comes to climate action. You've only got to sort of look out for those kind of stories and you see how fast things are, are changing. We've just got to get it to go a little bit faster. And that's really about um, everyone just starting to look at the opportunity and seeing it happening and being part of that solution. Beautiful. Um, in summary, because we're almost out of time, but such a beautiful interview, that's Richard Weavers, the founder and CEO of the Ocean Agency, Sydney, Australia. That's theoceanagency.org. And also the project 50 Reefs, that's 5-0, the number 50, 50reefs.org. Um, check it out. And Richard, what's your how has your philosophy on life changed from, from if you look at your life as an advertising executive to now with the change of values and understanding of the world and obviously your inspiration and hope and fire and zest for life uh, beautiful um, your passion around reefs and really about life at, at large what what is your greatest um, personal awareness that that or wisdom that you have found well i've, I've been on a massive journey and it's uh, <laughs> certainly changed me a lot in the last uh, five years since we, we started with the underwater street view. I've been on this huge learning curve which was at, at one point incredibly depressing because uh, we were seeing the reefs dying but couldn't see a solution. Now fortunately we've, we've come through that and the optimism around um, getting effective climate action and also solving the issue of, of coral reef decline has been hugely optimistic over the last um, last couple of years especially um, the number of partners we've now got on board with this project that oh, they're seeing this as a, a huge challenge but an exciting challenge and I think that's really what the sort of advertising background can also bring is an exciting way of, of developing projects that um, allow us to bring these these great partners like um, you know, Bloom, Bloomberg Philanthropies, Tiffany and Co-Foundation, the Paul G. Allen Foundation and, and the likes of Google together to work on these, these issues together and to be able to allow the, the general public to be part of these initiatives as well. And that for me is the exciting part is it's a huge challenge, but we need to see it as an exciting challenge, not um, a, a sort of standard conservation project. So I hear everything you're saying. You're you are hopeful, yes? Absolutely. I don't think we have a a choice as a species um, <laughs> to 
to solve climate change. And we will do it rapidly um, because we have the technology, we have the money, we have the brains. Um, it's just about the um, momentum. We will get there. And I believe at the same time we can protect coral reefs so that they can bounce back over time. So it's really just a case of pushing forward as fast as we possibly can. Beautiful. Thank you so much for making time and um, all your incredible work. It's, it's one of those areas, as we said throughout the interview, that if it doesn't get the airtime that 70% of the world being covered with water uh, gets, we're missing two-thirds of what makes life possible and what makes life worthwhile and beautiful. Uh, so, And our life healthy in addition to that. So um, thank you for all your efforts to, to bring that to our attention and so grateful that you had time today to be on the show and that we can do our part in it. Well, thank you very much. It's, it's been great talking to you today. Yes, Richard Weavers, founder and CEO of the Ocean Agency. And are you you're right now in the States, right? You're in Pennsylvania? Uh, yes, yes, over in the States. And uh, the plan is really to focus um, our work in the States, um, especially around the, the launch of um, the Chasing Coral and the 50 Reefs Initiative. Yes, that is 5050reefs.org. Uh, Richard's uh, organization is the theoceanagency.org, theoceanagency.org. And the film, of course, is Chasing Coral. Good luck, Richard, in all your endeavors, and we'll have you back soon. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. That's Richard Weavers here on An Organic Conversation, Chasing Coral, an emotional journey under the ocean's surface. I'm Helge Helberg, and... We'll be right back with so much more from the world of the oceans to the world of sustainable agriculture on land. That's what's coming up. The update from the produce doc. Stay tuned. And we're back here to an organic conversation, Chasing Coral, an emotional journey under the ocean surface was our main interview. And again, we're moving from the ocean onto land to sustainable agriculture. Here's the update from the San Francisco produce dock, the consumer segment of what to buy, how to buy it, how to store it, what to do with it, with Earl Herrick, the founder of Earl's Organic Produce what you will find in the grocery store just next week. Here is What's in Season. And that was a beautiful hour on ocean and land. Chasing Coral, new movie, new documentary on, ne 
on Netflix now available, a new documentary on Netflix now available, and also the update from the world of healthy fruits and vegetables, what's in season. I'm Helge Helberg. This is an organic conversation. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back with another episode next week. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Take good care.